did it wrong. I'm excited about this third part of If My People. My people, if you missed week one, Pastor Stephen preached on humility. I would love for y'all to go back and watch that. And then last week, I preached on what is it? What is prayer? What are we talking about? I really believe that the Lord has shown me that we're in a season, in an hour of prayer. That, that that's what we should be in. Now, let me say it differently. That we should be in. We're not necessarily in an hour of prayer just because we should be in an hour of prayer. Do y'all understand what I'm talking about? It's good where y'all talk back to me because I feel weird if you don't. So that's a good time to say yes. Yes, praise the Lord. Now is an hour of prayer. Matter of fact, in on the ninth birthday anniversary, whatever you call it, several weeks ago, I preached it's the ninth hour. It's the hour of prayer, and then we've gone straight into this series, and I believe it's on time. And so just giving y'all some background, I had planned on, and I plan on next week doing this message. I, I have a message that is how we pray. Last week was what is it, and this week was how. And it's very, I just break down a few things, and I, it's practical, and I believe it's very helpful. And so I have it basically written out, ready to roll. And on Thursday, when I was going to put it in the PowerPoint and ready to do it, matter of fact, the truth is, every day this week, I've had this one specific thing on my mind, and I was like, cool, I'll get to that later. Cool, I'll get to that later. And finally, Thick-headed Mark finally says, okay, obviously you want something here. So let me pay attention to this in prayer. And the Lord just dropped something on me. So I'm giving you what he dropped. And next week I'm going to give you the how. Are y'all good? So in order to get to this, I'm not going to give you the title of the message today. I've got to give you a little bit of background to help you understand the, the background or the understanding of what, what specifically I believe he wants me to preach today. So... This is the verse that this series is coming from, if my people. And it says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and, what's the word? Pray Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then. Someone say then. Then. So it says, if then. This is an if then proposition. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. So it is not a guarantee. It is not a guarantee. It's an if we, then he. Y'all okay so far? Now. This is, this is the teaching. Really, it could be a teaching on this verse. But I just want that to be the kickoff and an understanding of how God operates. Now, if anybody doesn't know this, God is supreme. He's amazing. He's sovereign. As a matter of fact, God is always sovereign. The word sovereign just means he's overall. He controls all. He is God. We are not God. There is no question about it. He is always God. He is always supreme. He is always above. There is no one like him. God is God. So far, are y'all okay and you understand? But in his sovereignty, his will operates two different ways. And this is the part that maybe you know and maybe you don't. He has an unconditional will and a conditional will. Someone say unconditioned. The unconditional will of God means this. It don't matter what you do. It don't matter how you pray. It don't matter how long you pray fast, you stand on one leg, jump around, spin, you ain't going to change it. It's done. It is not conditioned if then, it is just done. Do you understand what I'm saying? We could have prayed, God, please don't kill Jesus. Please don't let him die on the cross. Please, please, please. But guess what? It was God's will that it would happen. It pleased the Lord to bruise his son is what the Bible said. It was done. 
Matter of fact, Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. If, if you can, take this cup from me. But I realize that's not a conditioned will. That's an unconditioned will. So when I pray, and we're going to talk about it next week, your will be done here as it is in heaven, I'm not praying the unconditioned will of God. I'm praying the conditioned will of God. Why? Because the, condi- the unconditioned will is going to happen whether you like it and I like it or not. So far, do you understand what I'm saying? Now the conditioned will, and this is where prayer comes in. The conditioned will of God is conditioned on the fact that if you do this, I'll do this. Why in the world would God make a system where he's God and he can do anything he wants? As a matter of fact, we love to say God is in control, and that is true to a point. Watch. It's not that God's not in control. It's that he chose to relinquish control to our will. Otherwise, God would make every single thing happen, happen. Which is, I think, how some people operate. I think that we operate with the understanding God's chosen it all. It doesn't matter anyway, so I can just go out and act like a fool and nothing's going to happen. Nopes. <laughs> right? If you stand in front of a bus, it's kaboom. It's, it's gone. Right? He gone. He going, hopefully, to heaven if you know Jesus. But you're going to die. Yeah, but I thought the will of God, he planned everything out. But it's the, it's the condition, Will. Because your days are numbered. Everything in his book. He's decided what my days are going to be like. But I still get to go into the courts of the Lord. I still get to do business with God. And he still lets me through prayer, watch, through prayer, through submission, through what Pastor Stephen preached in humility, by by humbling myself, he lets me dictate whether or not I'll put him in charge or if I'll be the boss of this world, my world. And that sounds crazy, but God loves it. Why? Because he loves when his people openly and freely say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my wishes, not my hopes, not my dreams. I put everything to the side and I say, you are in charge. So prayer is not me hoping that this magic genie comes and does everything that I want. Prayer is me submitting to him and then through conversation more and more realizing what his plan for my life is. And the conditioned will of God, watch this, is me simply inviting heaven to come into the history books. It's heaven invading earth. But God does not invade like like armies invade other countries taking over hostily. He has his people spread out through the world. We're called the church. And his church, that his seed never fails. It never stops. But that does not mean that we submit ourselves, humble ourselves. It does not mean we are people of prayer. It means we're just his. But how many of y'all know not every child obeys? I am preaching good right there. I might not preach anything else good, but I'm preaching that good. Where's my daughter? Amen. Right? So just because we're his does not mean we're operating with his playbook the way that he intended. So, so, with apologies, I'm going to hurt some people's feelings. I don't apologize. Sorry, not sorry. Not all prayer works. Did you hear what I just said? Like, who are you talking to, Pastor? Prayer does work. You didn't say it. No, I, I'm actually telling you the truth. That doesn't mean that God's mad at you. It doesn't mean he pushes you out. It just means that if you don't do it his way, if you don't operate this system called me the way that God intended to, by inviting him, but, and this is a cooperation, but it's actually me yielding to him, letting him take the lead. Because God does not need my permission to be God. But he does wait as a gentleman on my permission to come and invade my situation. Did you hear me? 
So when we're mad at God, now I need y'all to get this because all of us have been there. When we're mad at God for putting us in the situation in the first place and then we say, God, you've forgotten me. Oftentimes the thing that's happened is in the middle of this situation that I've been thrown in that God intended for me to be in, so through me he could use me to be seen, to be glorified, that his name may be made known. I give up on him, I get mad at him, and then I tell him, you forgot about me. But that's not how it works. See, in order to really understand this, we got to go back to the curse. Because God made you, in Genesis chapter 1, God made you in his image. Someone say, in his image. You were made perfect. You were made in his image. Adam and Eve were thrown into this garden. Throne sounds bad. Put in this garden. That was perfect. God said, you eat every tree. You can do everything. You have dominion. You name things. You do all of these things. And then you get to decide. You get to rule. Matter of fact, in Genesis 1, it says, have dominion over them. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion and name it. And so inside of this, in the perfect garden, before sin came into the world, man operated this way. And then sin came in the world. Now, I need y'all to get this. Every time God has called you to something, Christ follower, I'm talking to the Christians for a second. Every time. Not sometimes. Not every once in a while. Every time. Someone say every time. Every time. You can rest assured that what the enemy is trying to steal from you is not your stuff. He does not care about your stuff. Your stuff may get taken. But it's in order for you to stop believing that God is good. To stop believing that he's called you to something. To stop believing that there's an amazing call on your life and it's called the person of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ that he's put on you. That in Christ I'm a new creation. That old things are passed away and all things have become new. That in him there's an unbelievable calling that my mind, 1 Corinthians 2, 2 9 says, no, no eye has seen or ears heard or heart of a man can even imagine what he's called me to. I can't even comprehend how great it is. And so every time I feel these, every time it's coming against, it's in order for me to stop believing. It's in order for me to give up because the curse demands that be the case. Because as soon as Eve and Adam took of the fruit that they were called not to, the knowledge of good and evil, God, I believe it was not to be hateful. I believe it was to protect them because their eternal hearts were at stake. And they were, they were thrown out of the garden and they had to live on their own. And I want you to see two important things in this message. I want you to see, first of all, the title of the message. I, I skipped this the first time to it. Bless my heart. The title of this message is Prayer Works When You Prayer Works When You Prayer Only Works When You Work It. So I want you to see this in Genesis 3. I used the amplified version. There's two important things to, to show you what happened because of the curse. Now, each one of us have to operate in this life in sin until we trust Christ, but we still don't get, we are never going to see until Jesus returns this earth fully restored back to paradise. Do y'all understand that? <laughs> if you're living, you should say yes right now. Come on, somebody, right? We've lived 2020. We know you're right, Mark. Verse 16 says, all right, to the woman, this is, this is the cost of the curse. I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. If you've had a baby in this room, you should say Amen. <laughs> I don't know it, and I'm never going to praise the name of the Lord. It says, in pain you will give birth to children. That is called a labor pain. Are y'all with me? This isn't tricky, right? So curse, labor. You have, to, you have to go through labor, and it's painful. Apparently, it was not supposed to be. Then part two, I think this is so fascinating. I've skipped some words, but it says to the man... 
the ground is, it says now, under a curse because of you. So in sorrow and toil, I thought this was fascinating. This word literally means in the Hebrew, labor, hurtful, deep, wearying. And in that toil, in that labor pain is literally what the word means, labor pain. Someone say labor pain. You shall eat of the fruit. Now, I need y'all to highlight these things. If you take notes, this is going to be huge. You're going to eat of the fruit of the pain of your labor. And he says, thorns and thistles, it shall grow for you. And you shall eat of the plants the rest of your life. You're going to have to work with your hands, but it's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. It's going to be painful. Someone say labor pain. Isn't it interesting? I've never noticed this before. Isn't it interesting that the curse demands labor pain for both the man and the woman? Isn't that interesting? This isn't really the cool part of the message. I just thought it was, or the, or the teaching part, I just thought it was really interesting. And it ties in perfectly with what God showed me in the end. That all of us are under demand to be under labor pain. That this thing's painful. But, and, this, and, and, that, and the inside of this, in, in God's will, now as we operate it, prayer only works if you work it. So here's what I want to teach you today. The prayer that works. How many of y'all would love to be able to pray and it work? Come on. How many of y'all would love it? Everybody that didn't raise your hand, I guess you can leave, right? <laughs> I used this passage last week. But this is, I just thought it was so cool, y'all. And it just jumped off the page. It's only five verses. But some things jumped out at me. And there's some things that are super practical that I think can be helpful to y'all. That I've never, it, I've never really paid attention to it before. But here's what it says in verse 13 in James chapter 5. By the way, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And if anybody is someone that I'm going to listen to, it's the half-brother of Jesus who was with Jesus as a little kid and then ended up being one of the great disciples, followers, apostles of Jesus. Because if my sisters said that they were the Messiah, <laughs> and if their brother said they were my, it would be way worse. I'm just telling y'all. So it's so interesting to hear how he says to pray because he says, is anyone among you suffering? Someone say suffering. This word suffering just means are you deeply weary having been through a lot in your spirit, in your person, in your soul specifically. He says, have you been through stuff in your suffering? And then look what he says. What does he say to do? Let him pray. And then he says, are you happy? Are you cheerful? Have you had a good day? Let him sing. Let him sing praise. Let's stop right there. How many of y'all know that people have told you that you should do a quiet time? Come on. And that you feel bad when you feel weary, when you feel like you've suffered and you don't feel like singing. Like you feel guilty because you're like, I know I'm supposed to sing and I enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. But right now, Pastor, I just want to cuss. I mean, is this, am I telling the truth? This is life, right? Sometimes life sucks. I know that's not real spiritual. I'm not trying to be. I'm just telling the truth. Sometimes we go through stuff and we don't know why. Matter of fact, if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that when I'm cheerful or when things are going good, I'm doing good with God. But if, if things aren't going well, I must be doing bad with God. As if 
God is this cosmic being up on a cloud with his nice white beard going zap, zap, zap to everyone that has bad days. But that's interesting because the beginning of this, of this book, James chapter 1 says, consider it, count it, which means that, that I don't look at every bad situation and I'm joyful about it, but I take full circle a picture of what may be happening and I consider the outcome that it's going to be and as a result, I'm joyful. Knowing that God must be at work because that produces perseverance and patience so that I can get to the end so the problem is we feel guilty and we try to sing our way through when sometimes I should be going in prayer that doesn't mean that I don't pray in singing by the way because I pray in song but sometimes I'm not giddy look at me and it ain't bad it's obviously what we do so if you've been through a difficulty don't fake it till you make it if you're weary and you're struggling let him Say it. Let him pray. And if you've had a great week and you've had a raise, don't feel bad about it. That's the devil. Praise the Lord if favor comes. Let him sing. Let him sing hymns. That doesn't say let him brag. It says let him sing. So, so all of us are going to be through this. God is not throwing you in the difficulty so you can just say, I'm in the difficulty. God must be using me. And you're never, and it's not that you're never going to experience goodness. All of you will. But let, let each of us go to the Lord in understanding that you're going to experience this and you're going to experience this and it's both and don't feel bad when it's one or the other. Just go to him with the heart of where you are. And don't fake it till you make it. Because how many of y'all can say amen? It don't work. It don't work. But then there's this, this, this difficulty that seems like it doesn't go away. Are y'all with me? Like it's a heaviness. And, and I'll just explain to you what I think it is. It could be broken relationships. It could be abuse or abandonment in the past. Some of y'all have come in here today and you haven't had true, good, heartfelt conversations with family members in 10 years. And you don't even remember why. Right? Y'all fought. Your brother or your sister, your somebody, y'all fought and you don't even remember what you fought about. But you know you fought. And you wouldn't no more call them than the man on the moon. But you feel so deep and deeply hurt and you know it's supposed to be free. Y'all got things that happened to you when you were little kids and you're embarrassed by it. All kinds of different abuses, all kinds of neglects, all kinds of things. And you've come in and it's heavy. Here's what it says. Is any of you suffering, let him pray. But if you keep suffering, is any among them sick? That word sick, I absolutely believe it's a, it's a personal sickness, a, a, a cancer. It could be COVID. It could be any of these things that are sicknesses. But in this particular case in the Greek, if you take the actual context of what it means, it's a suffering that won't leave. Are y'all with me? It's that suffering that stays. Are any of you suffering and it won't seem to go away no matter how much you pray? It says, let them go to the elders. Who's the elders? The pastors. But I want to be honest with you. I don't believe that just means a pastor. If you understand what this means, it means you should go to people that you trust actually pray. Now, let me hurt your feelings for a second. Hopefully, I won't. That means you shouldn't go to people for prayer that don't actually pray. <laughs> I know that's real complicated. But just because, I'm not talking about anyone in particular, so don't you read into this. Just because someone holds a microphone doesn't mean they pray. Just because I can pray in a microphone doesn't mean that I pray. I'm talking about people that pray. I'm talking about the people that get along with God, that love God, that want to be with God. It does not matter what their title is, what their background is. They want to pray to God. 
They love him. They walk with him on good days and in bad days. I would even say in sickness and in health. They walk with God. Who should I go to? Them. Both male and female. Ladies, there's nothing wrong with going to godly women that you know are deep prayer warriors and letting them pray over her because that hymn is not male specific and that hymn is not supposed to be just pastors meaning males but in this case it's people in spiritual authority that you've submitted to and you let them pray over you. Why? Because sometimes I'm so deep in this battle that I can't see straight. Sometimes, and y'all know this, y'all know this is true. Sometimes I, I can't possibly comprehend what God could want to do out of these things. And I'm so tight and I'm so hurt and I'm so beat up that I'm never going to be able to pray straight. But I can be honest with the person who I'm asking for prayer over. And let them begin to war with me. It's stand in the gap. Be there for me. And, and sometimes that's needed. Matter of fact, I'm going to argue in this place right now that all of you probably aren't there today. Many of you probably aren't, but all of you will be, and so will I. It says when I get to this point, that's a sickness that sets in, that's such a deep soul wound that I don't know what to do. Let him call the elders of the church and pray over them. Anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I do not believe you actually have to use oil in this case. So it says it. It sure does. But I believe this is symbolic. Now, I use it. Some of y'all have experienced this with me. People have come here. They've had true sicknesses, not, not even soul sick, but they're actually cancer sick. And I'll get out my oil from Israel and I'll use it. But I don't think that oil is any more magical than what you could get at the Target. I think this is symbolic like Psalm 23 he anoints my head with oil my cup overflows like the song we just sang and that anointing has an unbelievable working power symbolically in what it does because I believe you're all anointed to do a specific thing in Christ the word Christ means anointing anointed but in this case it's a hurt it's a sickness it's a it's a it's a it's a thing that I can't get through on my own and what I'm praying is that the Holy Spirit who anoints us in Christ through Jesus, that he breaks those wounds up. The Bible says this in Isaiah, and then it repeats it in the New Testament, that by his stripes I am healed. That's the anointing that I'm praying. I don't believe it's just a physical healing. I believe it's a soulish healing, and I'm praying that, that my wounds that are broken, that are deep, that I don't know how to operate in anymore, that by his stripes I get to have the anointing of God on me. I wish I had time to preach the anointing more because it's unbelievable, but I'll get to it another day. But just know this, the anointing that we're praying over each other, I believe is more symbolic than literal, but it breaks yokes. It changes lives. It's amazing. Here we go. Let's keep going. Then it says something super interesting in verse 15. It says, the prayer of faith will save, will save the one who is sick the one who was weary, the one who has gone through all this stuff, that it will save them. And the Lord will raise him up. This is so important in this message. And then it says that this, this, what feels like an outlier, if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. That feels like, it feels like that's such just a little tag at the end until you keep reading. Y'all look this way. This is not a thing where you put on blast everything that you've ever done. Let me say it differently. Do not put on blast everything that you've ever done. Do not put on social media the sins that you've committed. Stop it. Don't text it. Don't tell it. You keep it to you. 
And you tell it to people that are trustworthy. Who's trustworthy? The ones that will pray and not run their mouth about it. That's who we should tell it to. And then in this particular case, if I've got a sin against a brother, if you've got sins against brothers or sisters, if you've got, if you've got hurts that, has hap- that have happened and it was years ago and you've not known what to do, you can go to them and you can confess what has happened. But the word sin in this case is not the same word as all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's false. It's things that I have done wrong. I've hurt you based on this. It's not the sin that leads to death. It's not, it's not the separation from God for all of eternity. It's I'm broken and I've allowed it to do this and it hurt you because of this. And we should share those things with each other as followers of Jesus. And oftentimes we don't and we get frustrated that prayer doesn't work. I'm letting you know I think that's oftentimes a hindrance because the blessing that God intended us for, to live under is tied to, is conditioned with unity in the body of Christ, Psalm 133. And so I believe this is one of the greatest battles that Satan wins is, is, is breaking up unity in the body because your opinion's different than mine and I can't love you anymore. There, listen, I'm going to look in the camera. Where is it? There are millions of Christians. I know there'll be ones of them that watch this message. I don't care. There are millions of Christians that should confess to each other that they held sin against them, that they hurt, that they said things about other people because of who they voted for in a freaking election, as if God is not on the throne anymore. Stop it. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's silly. If I hold against someone because they voted for Joe Biden, Donald Trump, or the Senate right, whatever else, I've missed the whole point of who's on the throne, and I've let one of those men or one of those ladies be on a throne that they don't belong on. Look what it says. Therefore, confess your faults, your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, this is where we get fun right now. We're going to have fun for the rest of the message. Because I'm already got a little lather going, but I'm going to get it going. And this is, what I, this is what the rest of the message is talking about. It says, the prevailing, deep, working prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Someone say work it. That does not mean now I lay me down to sleep. It means when you walk in the room and you got your business coat on, you take it off because you know you finna sweat. You put your headband on if you like me and you sweat a lot. And you get your Holy Ghost sweat rag out because you're going to have to wipe your brow and you get in it and you dig. Because you know that me and Travis may have had a fault with each other, but we, but we confessed it. We got through it. We talked through it. And now I know that brother's locked up. I know that sister's locked up. I know those people are locked up. And they've told me. They didn't tell me so I put it on social media. They didn't tell me so I told all of you. They told me because they don't know what to do. They feel like crying. And conditioned inside of this is not that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to heal them. It's that he wants to use you oftentimes to let it be done. So inside of that, when I begin to pray, I don't pray, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Right? It'd be nice if you'd help Bailey because she's been hurting for weeks. It's I get in the crouch position and I let sweat pour down my body and I say, I'm not begging. I'm standing knowing what you do. But watch this. My labor in the blessed life in Christ Jesus has has shifted or, or changed from my hands in the toil and from labor pains in the toil to prayer being the work. Most of us think of prayer as this thing that we check off a box. 
And to labor in prayer seems like the craziest thing ever. But I believe it's exactly what God's called us to. Because watch this. There's not a person here from the poorest to the richest, no matter the color, no matter the background, no matter, I do not care. If anyone is in Christ, I'm talking to you. There's not a person listening that God has not began a good work in you, in him. That, there, that there's something he wants to birth, that there's something he wants to do. And oftentimes, it's my brothers and sisters, and they're locked up, and they don't know why. They don't feel like praying. They don't feel like intimacy with the Lord. It just feels like yuck, and Satan is winning, which is incredibly ridiculous because he can't win. He's already defeated, but we allow it through difficulties, through trials, through circumstances, and then we get so locked up that we look in the mirror and go, God must be done with me. He can't do the good work. He can do it in that. He can do it in him, but he's not going to do it in me, and it's a lie from hell. But oftentimes it takes me not just praying for me, but praying for people that God's put on my heart, on my prayer list. How do I know who to pray for? He'll remind you if you'll listen. And as I'm praying, I'm not just praying, Lord, it'd be nice if they got through that, but I'm prevailing in prayer. I'm deep in prayer. I'm working in prayer. I'm reminding. I'm laboring. I'm letting sweat come down my brow. Here we go. Let's keep going. Then it says something fascinating if you take it in the full context. Elijah was a man just like me. And he prayed fervently, prevailing that same type thing that it might rain. And it, for three and a half years, that it might not, excuse me, rain. And it did not. So this dude prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. And then he prayed that it would. And all these words start popping up, the fruit. Just like in the curse. And, and how we bear the fruit and how, how through labor this happens. But he shows right here that's not necessarily how it has to be anymore. Are y'all okay? It's fascinating. So instead of just leaving it here, I want to show you in 1 Kings 18 how he labored. Now, you've got to take the context in. Three and a half years, it hadn't rained. Hadn't dew. Dry as a bone. Imagine. You see the tumbleweeds. Right? You see it's, it's dry. It's cracking. It's crazy. If you sneeze wrong, a fire would start. Right? It's like what happens in California during the dry season. You better not light a match because fire will happen everywhere. We don't experience that. It's almost never that dry here. But three and a half years, good Lord. You ain't even thought about rain. Three and a half years is a long time. First Kings 18. Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink because the sound of a mighty rushing rain is coming. Unbelievable. Like imagine being Ahab, who you've just watched this, this Elijah beat your prophets. But he's being nice to you. He said, hey, all this is about to change because God's back. I need y'all to get this because if you miss this, you'll miss the whole thing. Do you know why we stopped believing? A long time ago, some of you, do you know why we stopped believing? Do you know why we stopped believing? Because at one time, at one time, at one time, y'all believed that God was good. And then you saw something that didn't line up with what you thought it should look like, and you stopped believing. I think it's fascinating here that the skies were perfectly blue. I've been in this place five different times. I've, you can see the Mediterranean off in the distance, and he's looking out, and he's like, it's coming. Ahab, you better get ready, bro. Why? Because I can hear it. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. Faith comes by hearing. Someone say hearing. hearing. He said, I 
Go up and eat and drink because there is a sound of the rushing of rain. I hear the sound. I can hear it. It's coming. He sounded insane right then. He didn't care. We got to stop caring what everybody thinks and start caring for their souls. I can hear the sound of a mighty rushing rain. In the Bible, rain means favor. It means that the favor of God was coming even though we didn't deserve it. I can hear it. I can hear it on your life, brother. I know you feel like giving up, but I can hear it. I hear the sound of a mighty rushing rain. And then it says, Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. I'm fixing to preach. If y'all ain't ready, you're going to get spit on. Just letting y'all know. I couldn't believe it when the Lord showed me this. I thought I'd throw something. Yeah, I'm not real. I, I never will claim to be the smartest tool in the shed. I'm just telling you, I wasn't going to miss this one. Right? How many of y'all have always believed that, you, that the Bible says you're supposed to pray like this? Right? You bow your head against the bed, or I don't even know why that is. But you, are y'all with me? Say yes if you agree. This does not say that. Read it. He bowed down. Put his face between his knees. I can't even do it in my belly, but I'll get close. <laughs> Just like this. He put his head down. He crouched down. It does not appear he did it for 13 seconds, for 10 seconds, like we pray. It said that he got in this position. He bowed down and he began to pray. Y'all ready for this? It's unbelievable. Did y'all know back in the Bible days, this is about 3,000 years ago, they didn't have hospitals like we have. <laughs> you know, yes. So, so when women gave birth, did you know they didn't have the stirrups that the ladies get today? Did y'all know this? Y'all research it yourself. This is the position of childbearing, how you give birth if it was 3,000 years ago. You can read it. The woman should crouch down and put her head between her legs and push. The woman should crouch down, put her head between her legs, and push. The woman should crouch down. The Bible says that he bowed down, put his face between his knees, and he pushed, and he prayed. Y'all remember prayers the word? He pushed, and he prayed, and he pushed, and he prayed. But watch this. This is the problem. Here's where we find ourselves. We got brothers and sisters who are walking with us. We got a dream that God's put on our heart. We got things in our lives that we know God has said. We know God's going to do it. We know God's going to do it. We know God's going to do it. We go, look, guess what? It ain't there. Watch what happens. After he had gotten in that labor position, y'all remember that's the curse? Y'all remember each one of us have to feel labor pains? He got in that labor position. And he says, go up and look. And he said, there's nothing. Y'all see that? He told his servant. He's been praying. You can imagine being there with him and you're watching him going, this dude's nuts. The same dude that called fire from heaven, the same dude that called for rain to stop is now in that position and it doesn't look like he's trying to be sexy. Are y'all with me? He's not trying to win a beauty contest at this point. It's him and God. He's tucked in. He's locked in. He's not worried about what anybody else thinks, what anybody else does because he knows that if he'll prevail in prayer, the prayer of a righteous person has anointing to overcome. That yokes can be broken. That lives can change. That things that you thought could never be restored can be restored. That the dry season can be over. Why? Because God is waiting on his people. If, then. And I believe, 
I believe this is a lot bigger than a four points message. I've just been called to give it to you. And I'm excited that I get to. But I believe that God sits waiting to do miracle signs and wonders all around the world, but is conditioned on his people co-operating and doing so. Because over and over and over and over and over in scripture, there's a seed and a time and a harvest and his ability to hand us in the word, his ability to give us in, in, in things, an understanding in certain ways. And he gives us an understanding. He gives us his, the ability to comprehend, but it comes in a seed form and it hits my heart. It's the soil of my life. And I say, ooh, God's going to do something great. I believe he's going to do it. I'm going to pray a little bit. And we get up and we stop believing and we stop praying and we quit. This says that he told him to go again seven times and go again and go again. And imagine being that servant like, bro, I keep going. It's clear skies. And look what it says on the seventh time that he went up. There was a cloud the size of a man's hand. That is not evidence of a rainstorm that's fixing to bring three, four, five inches of rain, is it? It's like there's a little tiny cloud. He said, that's all I needed to see. Listen, it ain't bad to go look. It's bad to have to see the finished work. Sometimes God lets you see in the window just so you can see this much so you'll keep believing what you heard is true. But most of us in prayer never prevail, never keep on because we expect someone else to pray for me. We expect someone else to do the work. But in the curse, I'm called to labor through pain. Ladies, in the curse, you're called to childbear and labor through pain. But in Christ, our labor is in resting in Him and prayer. And if I stop believing the lives of millions, look at me, millions of people are at, are at risk. My life is not my own. Your life is not your own. We were bought with a price. And God did not put you here just to make you go through the motions. I'm not talking about your greatness. I'm talking about His greatness in you. And when I give it up, I fail to realize how unbelievable the gift of God is inside of me. And I just throw it away as if it's mine in the first place. God has gifted all of you. God has not gifted pastors. Forget all that mess. He's gifted every single person that he's called by his own name, shed his own blood, and drawn you to himself. He loves you. He's called you. And he's waiting on... to. The, the move of God that we can't even comprehend to do it in you. But most of us quit. Now I gotta ask you a question. And for the sake of this word, I was nervous about it, but the Lord would not give me another word, so I gotta go with it. If you're on a mission in the army, y'all know this. So I need you to say it out loud. And it looks good and everything's great. And it's the Navy SEALs and they're called to go capture something or whatever. And then all of a sudden they get the news. Oh, no, 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 you got to turn around. You're going to die if you go in. The mission has to be, what's the word? Aborted. Everybody knows it. We've heard it on movies. We've missed it. you got to abort the mission. Someone say abort the mission. Look at me right now. No one, no one, no one, no one, no one is to abort the mission. No one is to abort the mission. No one is to abort the mission. God's called you. This isn't about Mark. This isn't about four points. God's called you. Stop aborting the mission. Look at this. This is the problem. Is the people of God often abort destinies. 
because we're too tired of the labor pain. We're too tired of being in the position. We're so weary and worn out. But Jesus didn't say, come to Mark. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me. It's light and easy. Stop carrying it on your own. This is what I want to close with, and the band's coming up with me. Because I want y'all to be able to respond. I didn't know if this was going to be hype, running, or heavy, and down. But when the Lord showed me this, because up till this point, I thought the message was really good. I was like, dang, you gave me something. And then he showed me this. Let us not grow, what's this word? Say it loud. Let us not grow, let us not grow weary in doing good. Because, because, because in what season? Say it loud. In what season? Huh. We'll reap. We'll give birth. The harvest will come if you don't, if you don't, if you don't. I came to tell some people today that it's due season. That the due date is here that you need to stop believing all the lies of the enemy and believing that you get to know when the due date is like it's nine months from now. Some of y'all, the due date might be a year from now. Some of y'all, the due date might be two years from now. I don't get to know when, but I know that the due date will come. The due date will come. Someone say due date. It's time. This is what I came to tell you. That so many of us put in context that that's just a little wimpy prayer or a wimpy belief or a wimpy promise but the promises of God are always yes and amen but they're tied a lot of times to I'll keep prevailing I'll keep believing you who began a good work in me will see it through to the due date in Christ Jesus why do we abort the mission because before the due date we get up and walk away don't give up don't get up the due date is coming for every single person. And it and it depend, it affects every single person we come in contact with, y'all. Look at me. Stop believing that you got to carry it on your own. Stop believing that God forgot about your dream and your destiny and the call that he put on your life. You stop it right now. In Jesus' name, I'm asking y'all to stand to your feet and make a declaration to God right now that we are overcomers, that in Christ Jesus, we will prevail, that we will not believe any longer. Listen, that we are on our own, but we were bought with a price. There is no one like Jesus. Come on, make this your declaration right now, that Jesus is seated in the highest place, that he's the name above all names. Jesus, you alone are worthy. It is somebody's due date. The due season is coming. Stop believing that you're alone, that God forgot you. In your weariness, in your struggle, you lay it at the feet of Jesus and believe that he's going to do far greater than you can ask or imagine. It was never about you in the first place. Satan's trying to trick you, but I need somebody to believe in this place. I need somebody to believe watching online that he is the overcomer, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we believe that Jesus is the one that holds all authority. Come on.
on, I need someone to push their way through this prayer, to stop, to stop giving up and to get back down and believe. Just lift your hands and worship the name of Jesus in this place.